0: Hey everyone, it's ouch. Listen, it's tough out there for us content creators anymore. You just trying to put up your own video reviewing your stupid games? All of a sudden, copyright strike. Like, you know what's going on with any of this. Well, this is why I implore you, check out the Base Rebels. They provide great free, copyright free music you can use in your videos, live streams, or what I do, your podcasts. They do a lot of dance music, a lot of chill vibe music. They do some heavy bass stuff, but it's really good. Check out the link in the description of this episode or go to BassRebels.co.uk for more info. It's your buddy and your pal- ouch. Back again with what you've been playing. Eh, let's just get to it. I will always have a soft spot for parodies. Ever since getting a Weird owl tape when I was a kid, I will more than happily accept making fun of something by doing practically the same thing. Unfortunately, what happens a lot of the time is that parody takes on a life of its own, long after the joke has stopped being funny. Which is kind of what has happened to the Plants vs. Zombies franchise. Starting as a cute little tower defense phone app, this evolution from the PopCap era then dipped its toes in, of all genres, the first-person shooter market with its Garden Warfare series. For this episode, we're looking at the latest release, Plants vs. Zombies Battle for Neighborville. So let's find out if third time's the charm, or if that it's all out of luck. Graphically, this keeps the more cartoony aesthetic with a lot of goofiness in character and stage design. You have a bunch of hub worlds and exploring style stages with a lot of gags packed in every stage. Imagine a funny eviction notice on a single door in the farthest corner of the map, that amount of detail gets a lot of credit from me. For me, this pulls a lot from a Warner Brothers or a Tex Avery style of slapstick. There's not a lot of subtlety going on around here. Probably the biggest issue is the fact that a lot of the actual game options, like joining a battle online or upgrading your characters, are done in the level itself, not like a separate menu or anything like that. It can be a little frustrating, especially after coming back after a long time away and not knowing where the hell the start game option is. The game itself is still completely playable, albeit more so in a bad way. Imagine a cross between a Call of Duty and or an Overwatch with a dash of fun and you're in the right realm. You have a ton of characters on each side, so there should be no problem in finding a playstyle you like. I mean, it's basically any first person shooter you've played, line up target onto crosshair, boom, continue. Controls feel very good, there's good timing and reactions, so I don't have too many complaints for this section. What I can complain about is how lacking certain modes can be. It's what happens when there is that huge online multiplayer-only push. A lot of the other modes are very, very meager at best. The single player elements are fine. You have a big map that you can explore, having a handful of set missions, plus a lot of collectibles and secrets to find. But there's not a lot of depth or emotional connection to the characters. There's a main story thread in the missions, but there's not a lot of gripping twists and turns for an emotional roller coaster. It's more along the lines of, well, they gotta do something for the trophy, I guess. I think there are like two or three maps like this, each side getting at least one big adventure, but once you do it, that balloon is popped. Not much else you can really do with it. Now, I find myself being a hypocrite because of this next section, but my review, so bite me. I usually stay away from the real people multiplayer just because, no matter what, there are going to be some level infinity monsters who don't stop playing against little old me just trying to have a good time. I can do all the multiplayer options with bots, but you do lose some luster because it's bots. Either it's too easy, or one bump in the difficulty sets it right to pull hair frustrating. Plus, a lot of the rewards come from challenges done more through just playing than achieving, if that makes sense. It's that bad side of games where you just pour and pour time and energy into it, solely to say, hey I'm really good as the mushroom character, if that's your head's good time I can argue with it, but be warned, this is an addiction machine. At least it's not as strong as an addiction machine as it was before. Previous versions had a very strong gacha component, getting consumables, parts for upgraded stronger versions of characters, as well as funny customizations. Hell, even the options to pick had options and genres to pick. That's how strong the microtransactions were. But here, they certainly pulled way back on it, having a one pull equals one thing. And even then, I've seen nothing but costume pieces, taunts, things that really don't affect gameplay. As long as they keep it really easy to earn the fake money to get these things, I won't have any objections. All things considered, I can't hate on Battle for Neighborville, but the critiques have a lot of strength behind them. It's a completely competent shooter with very robust options, modes, and styles to play as. But if this isn't in your wheelhouse, or it's not what you're looking for in a game, this is as paper thin as a $3 stake. If you got it free, it's completely acceptable, but definitely wait for a sale price before sinking into it. Go... 5.5 out of 10. Oh wow, hey, this is a little awkward. I know on the last What You've Been Playing, I reviewed Yakuza Kiwami. It's a fine little story-driven brawler that's a good time overall. Now, usually, when you get through a game to the ending, most people would take a little break from that series, Maybe even that genre. Unless, of course, you are crazy like an outhouse rat, or as dumb as a box of rocks. So that's two checkboxes for me, because I've been playing Yakuza Kiwami 2. Yes, most people would say, you've just played the first 20 hour game in the series. Why are you going back to a longer game? But that's kind of why I like the series. Even if you disappear for a year away from the game, With the simple control scheme and tons of side stuff to do, going back to games like this becomes more rewarding than struggling to remember what button does what in any other AAA title worth its weight in salt. Now, we're getting to the point where graphics absolutely do not matter anymore, but with the original fresh in my mind, I can honestly say there is a HUGE improvement in Graphic Fidelity in Kiwami 2. The engine that Kiwami 1 was built on was the same as Yakuza 0, which was also on the PlayStation 3, which is probably why I wasn't too impressed with the looks of the past couple of games. But what a crazy improvement it is here. Reflections, textures, shading. It really ramps up what it can do, thanks to a better engine. When you grab a neon advertising sign, the glow from the lights stay with it, while you bash someone over the head. Plus, a lot more of the towns are opened up, which gives a better access to the cities, making it feel like a much more livelier and active setting. When it comes to the fighting engine, there is very much a factor of, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. It goes back to a single fighting style, although there does seem to be a bigger factor in fighting with weapons, as now you have a separate inventory page for objects. While you lose the strategic components, as in switching to your fast hitting style or your beast mode, You gain a lot more of an entertainment factor in the amount of heat actions available. Grabbing your opponent, dragging him into a convenience store, throwing his head into a microwave, then yelling at the clerk to turn it on. That's way more stunning than just punching really fast. Plus, with the addition of a physics engine, kicking an enemy away to see him ragdoll against a guardrail, or just watching your own body get jettisoned into a food stand adds a lot more fun to the proceedings. The upgrade system is back, although it became a little more complicated than last time. You have six areas of expertise to learn and master in. Those points are used in learning all of the new skills available. For example, Learning a crazy throw needs more offensive and defensive points, whereas increasing how good your employees in the minigames require more knowledge points. Very rough explanation, but it fits the bill. But the new skills are great, whether it's more heat actions, having the townsfolk help you, or just the small, subtle skills. There's a skill that shows you where all of the side quests are on the map, which makes that so much easier. The amount of skills really gives a great path to grind out some points. The mini games and side quests are also a two-sided coin with a lot of new and improved games, but a lot of little catches as well. A lot of the side quests are still the usual. You happen upon someone in the street, get them an item and or beat the shit out of someone bothering them. Not a lot of new ground tread, but sometimes they will be very particular in the item you need to get them. There's a mission where someone shits their pants and you need to buy them new underwear. Disgusting, but it happens, trust me. But for some reason, you need to buy them the white pair of briefs, not the green pair that that store also sells or else the mission won't click. Little things like that. Kind of a really? moment. Or even worse, when the quest is stuck behind one of the more Japanese minigames, like Mahjong or Shogi. Looks like that guy is going to be stuck with the loan sharks in that building forever. The two biggest minigames even have their own plot lines. First you have the Majima Construction Clan creator game. I guess the best way to describe it is being very close to a tower defense game, but with very fluid and moving pieces. You stop the hordes of enemies trying to break all of your construction equipment. Also, they kept the tradition alive of having pro wrestlers do cameos, with Keji Muto, Masahiro Chono, Genichiro Tenryu, Riki Chosu, and Tatsumi Fujinami acting as the main antagonist in this mode. You don't get the final one-on-one battle against them as Kiryu, but anything for progressive. Side note, they have this gacha system to recruit new employees, and 100% truth, the first pull I get, freaking Kazuchika Okada. Massively entertaining. The second biggest minigame is the returning Cabaret Hostess Club from Zero. Originally, while I was writing this review, I actually couldn't find where this minigame was, I that memory was completely lost. Hell, I was even thinking, maybe the game is bugged? As it turns out, the icon to show there's a minigame is only when you are in the inside of that building for some reason. You lose these kinds of threads when you haven't played a game in about two years. For those uninitiated with this part of Japanese culture, host or hostess clubs, Are these clubs where you pay to have a quasi-date with the host or hostess? Sometimes it leads to a kinda prostitution thing, but they keep it on the level in the game. The gameplay itself is just plugging in the best fit for each customer. Not the most exciting visual, but it does have a weird satisfaction of matching all the customer's needs with the crew you pick. If some businessman wants to talk to a sexy idol, but the best you can do is the 80 year old blue haired cougar, I hope they like the taste of Pepsodent. Now, if you think having a whole business establishment dedicated to friend zoning paying customers, don't worry, there's a creepier minigame in here. This is the weird element that gets glossed over because of all the serious stuff. So, some of the times my mind mostly blanks out on those minigames, but the Yakuza games have some of the creepiest minigames possible, solely in the way you have to shut the TV off if someone walks in on you playing it. Here in Kiwami 2, there is a Graveyard Photoshoot minigame, complete with real-life models. Not in-game character models, but actual females, with the legs in the things you then must come up with cheesy lines to flirt with them. I have nothing against putting in fan service in games or anything, but there's a real line when the game hits a point of no return and doesn't hide what it's trying to do, and I just go, come on, game, really? I know it's completely ridiculous to review games so similar, so close together, but damn, Kiwami 2 is a fun time. I find the fighting to be greatly entertaining, the story itself has tons of dramatic turns, and there's a bit more fun with the side stuff, especially when those two other mini games can take up an equal amount of time as the main story. When I can play for an hour, hour and a half, do a bunch of side quests, get a bunch of employees, level up stats, get new abilities, and just have fun beating guys up all without losing time to cut scenes or story elements, it fits perfectly into my playstyle. Highly recommended, go 8.5 out of 10. You know, first impressions are crazy important because that's what gets etched into your mind for ages and ages. We either get judgmental on a game we didn't like for bad controls or we get super nostalgia fluffy over an old game that really wasn't that good. In this next game, I kind of gave it a harder time because I thought the A.I. teammates were horrendous. Like I made it to the end of a level fighting through enemy forces and whatnot. I turned around and there are my robot teammates all the way back at the beginning. But today we're brushing that to the side and taking a look at Payday 2 from the Xbox Game Pass. It's a great concept for a video game, but can it hold up its end of the bargain? In Payday 2, you and up to three friends play as the Payday Gang, a group of bank robbers and heisters committing major acts of crime in the name of cash money. These range from simple bank robberies and armored convoys. It's more in-depth storylines, like stealing an entire panic room full of money from a drug dealer. The more complex the plans, the more stages it has, and the more time it takes. Now I make it sound simple, but in reality, you have the constant crushing horde of police forces and SWAT teams coming down on you every waking moment, kind of like real life. It's up to you and your crew to get the most bang for your buck. So, let's start at the beginning, before we start thinking we're the next Bonnie and Clyde. First, you have to pick a character. This means nothing, as the characters act as nothing more than a quit machine, whoever you find most entertaining. Next, you can choose your heist mask. This means nothing, as you never really see it in actual gameplay, but it's where a lot of the fun customization stuff starts coming in. You then have your layout, Like any other shooter possible, you have your guns, your equipment, your skills, your perks, your teammates, and how they're set up, you get the idea. Where the fun comes in is how you envision your crew, like a group of supervillains. If you come up with your own backstory, you can find or figure out a matching playstyle. I came up with an aristocratic European who robs banks for the thrill of it, holding double tommy guns akimbo style wearing a giant bug mask who I've dubbed Demantis, You kind of make your own fun in the customization outside of the gameplay, but it has a fun factor to it. To talk about the actual gameplay, it's kind of like when someone is off their meds at a big party. It's completely unbalanced in a fun way. It's that thing where every single one in a million kind of event happens every single time. Like there's no way Demantis can take out someone in a sniper position with hip fire from double Chicago typewriters, yet I do it in almost every stage. Or when SWAT forces come in and just stand in a single file line and you can just recreate every minigun scene from any war movie and just mow everyone down. Again highly entertaining for more of the dumb stuff. But there are a lot of little trade-offs that certainly are head-scratchers. For example, the game has a ton of melee weapons available. Knives, clubs, shillelaghs, you know, the basics. However, melee kills tend to be somewhat ineffective, because the game lets you pass right through bad guys, they don't block you like a stage prop, you can just move through them like Casper trying to date that living girl in that weird 90s movie. As much fun as it is when you try to recreate the shower scene from Psycho, when you're on roller skates and fly right by them, it's a lot easier to stick to guns. And then there's the issue that's going to take up most of your time waiting on and or fixing drills. The drill will become your eternal rival in Bank Heisting. With no perks or skills active, these things take forever to open up any safe or door. And that's if they work, as most of the time they will jam up and stop working, which means you have to get back over to where it's at to restart it, making for a super prolonged experience. The perks can reduce the time it takes for drills to finish, or they can just restart on their own, or they can give you the ability to hit a drill for a chance to restart it, but it's really a bit of a killjoy. And then there's the AI teammates. They were my biggest issue back whenever I first played this game, and they still can be. But with the amount of updates since 2015, there are ways to circumvent that hindrance You can set up what guns they carry, what skill they can do, things like that, but you are still going to do most of the heavy lifting. Literally, they never pick up any of the money or the important stuff you need to actually finish the mission. So if you think of them as henchmen and you are the over the top themed villain, you can kinda get rid of some expectations from them. The stage select screen certainly is a curious choice, in the most hard stop, switch to another topic sentence there is. So you have the main story, which is kind of tucked away in a sidebar menu. If you bring that up, it lets you choose the next mission, which follows along with the narrative, and clearing those objectives net you a little more cash and experience. But the main selection screen itself is a whole lot of rolling the dice. Basically, Random stages with random difficulties pop up with a little timer, so if you miss out on something you wanted to do, that's too damn bad! Seeing the choices on stages and how much money you can make is neat, but for the most part, once you've seen the most cash in the sort of shortest amount of time on the easiest setting, there's not a whole lot of thinking to do. Once you learn which stages are which, you start picking the ones you find the most fun, Almost over and over again, but you got to have the luck on your side for that. I guess the weakest point tends to be the graphics, which are now kind of dated at this point. I mean, yeah, it's a game from 2015. I know it can only do so much, but I mean, this is almost a paint by number situation. Nothing really pops from the backgrounds or is really that memorable. If you can imagine an armored truck crashing into the middle of a city park, yeah, that's what they did. Not a lot of detail to go into. But the soundtrack? Oh, it's got me feeling things. It's got some bombastic, heart-pounding bangers on a playlist, bringing out some weird, crazy, alpha bullshit out of me. Trust me, you will find yourself in the middle of a minigun showdown singing along with certain songs, going, I will give you the best of me, the best of me. People who have played the game will get that joke. Overall, Payday 2 is like the dumbest game of Calvin Ball. You set yourself up with the most ridiculous ideas you have and see if it works, which is kind of half of the fun. It's like being a hair metal band in 1986 It's got its own issues and kind of lame going by yourself, but damn if it wasn't a good show. Plus, there's just an extravagant amount of DLC, with new heists, weapons, masks, etc. that there's enough here to dig through for a long time. If you can get a gang together and come up with your own Legion of Doom, it's a good time. I'll go 7.5 out of 10. And that is this time's episode. Thank you for listening, everyone. Every play is progress. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at justouch, capital J-U-S-T, capital A-E-W-C-H, or send me an email, ouch64 at gmail.com. And don't forget, you can find this show on many, many podcast sites, all you have to do is search the Ouchcast and anchor.fm/slash ouch. Until next time, everybody, we will see you then. Bye-bye.